This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, the legendary Dog Whistle Brandon. Today on DWB, I'm joined by Scott Roslin, co-founder and CEO of We Are Bill, a boutique brand creation and reinvention consultancy based in New York City that connects strategic thinking, thoughtful design, and commercial impact to create new futures for ambitious brands. I met Scott for the first time in 2018 after his wife, Allison, a news reporter at the time, did a piece on Ironbound Boxing. Scott helped me early on as I thought through our overall brand strategy. And since then, he and his team have grown We Are Bill into a powerhouse consultancy, working with some of the world's top brands. Although he describes his firm as boutique, trust me when I tell you this, they aren't playing small. I invited Scott on the show to talk about his approach to brand strategy and share insights on how to think about return on brand. All right, enough of me talking. Gunny, take it away. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy and business coaching for veteran owned businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media and business coach at the Lions Pride. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Scott, my man, welcome to Dog Whistle Branding. What's going on, Good brother? Good to see you, Mike. Doing well. How about yourself? This is the first time me and Scott have seen each other since like, I don't know, six years or so. Um, and time. I met Scott Probably. through his wife, Allison, um, when she did a story on Ironbound Boxing back in 2016, 2017. And that was a turning point for us. That was a tipping point because because of her interview, the CEO of Everlast Worldwide saw that video and came and sponsored our gym. And now he's on our board, right? So, you know, we talk about return on brand, right? Like I've been building this Ironbound brand for a minute now, you know, and people see us where we're at now, but it goes back to those early days. And people always ask me, man, how'd you get so much media? How did you do it? It was because people like Allison, you know, I would sit down and I was representing the veterans and residents at the time, part of Bunker Labs. And people would always say, Oh, you know, tell us about your venture. And I would say, oh, I got this boxing gym in Newark. Instantly, they would say, oh, we want to come see this, this gym. And so Alice was like, man, you need to talk to Scott. You need to talk to my husband. You know, I think you two would get along. And lo and behold, you're a brand builder. And so we met at World Trade Center uh, 2017, I want to believe. Mm-hmm. And then That's he's right. just been following my newsletter for Ironbound Boxing ever since. We've been talking back and forth and uh, really excited to get you on the podcast for a number of reasons. Before we go live, I always say, uh, what's a win look like for you? And Scott said, Mike, you know, that's a really good question. You know, he's like, what does a win look like for you? And here's what it is, right? I want to be like you, right? And I'm going to tell you why for a couple of reasons. Number one, I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to let my man Scott hit in a second. You're behind the scenes, right? Everybody sees this TikTok, Instagram. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do that. Your website from the very beginning is like, you know what? We are Bill, you know? Right. Very under under the radar, but doing it in a in a strategic way. And I'm so anti all this like fucking 
you know, I call it circle jerga. You know, just talk about ourselves all the time. People post on LinkedIn all the time. Just talk. How about adding value to people's lives? And so I'm curious to, you know, just kind of learn your philosophy around that as we get into the discussion today. Man, there's there's so much that I'd love to talk to you about today. And and uh, just going back to when we first met, being there at Ironbound uh, in Newark, you know, on the ground, uh, did a little bit of boxing in a previous life, loved it. But Mike, just I think your approach to uh, making change in people's lives and then having a story to tell, right? We There's always, a, you know, kind of this notion that we all as people have stories that we can tell that are stories that are true to us that are not true to others. Um, you have a story to tell. You only have so much time. Tell it. And so a lot of the work that we do is you have a product, you have a team, you have a vision, but how do you communicate that in a way that your audience can best receive it? So visual telling, storytelling, verbal storytelling, those together inform your perception as a company out in the world. And that's your brand. Brand is perception. If you don't actively shape it, then the world's going to shape it for you. So it's taking a very intentional, strategic, uh, in our case, very consumer-centric, audience-centric approach to what's the thing that you do uniquely, that resonates with your audience uniquely. Uh, and that allows you to separate from the pack. Uh, every landscape is very competitive these days. So how do you tell a story in a unique way um, that you can cut through? I think what's going to be good about having you on this platform and in our ecosystem is, you know, this is Dog Whistle Brand. I target mainly veteran-led brands. But, you know, you're a civilian. You didn't serve in the military. But you bring tons of value and insights, hooking and jabbing as, as a brand strategist, working with some very high-level brands that I think can provide immense value um, to our listeners that aren't as familiar with you. So I would love for you to bring them up to speed on just, like, who you are as Scott, you know, and how you got into work you're doing now. Great. Yeah, so uh, Scott Roslin, co-founder and CEO of We Are Bill. We're a, a New York-based brand creation and reinvention consultancy. Um, and I got into this space, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, in reinvention as people, not just as companies. So I kind of, you know, had an interesting career career trajectory and, and kind of, you know, a path that was anything but linear, but I'm a huge believer in that. You know, every, every moment in time, um, you know, kind of evaluating, is this the place I want to be or how can I best bring, you know, myself, my full potential to, to the world and, and give something of value. So, um, Graduated from, from business school down at Wharton in Philadelphia and uh, joined a, a global innovation and brand strategy, brand design consultancy, um, left to become, um, you know, kind of on the client side, we say, um, running brand internally for an apparel company and then for an Internet of Things company. Um, and in that period of time, I said, I love being on the consultancy side. I love being able to move from one industry to the next one size and scale of company to the next um, but doing it in a way that we felt was needed in the world and that meant um, primarily at the time a focus on high growth emerging brands so new to the world businesses founders leaders they needed help in communicating their brand value proposition their positioning ultimately what their visual identity system was what their packaging, their website, all of that, they, they needed help with to bring their vision fully to life. Uh, and then over time, you know, a couple of large clients saw our work as well. And this was, you know, going back, 
you know, several years now, kind of pre-pandemic, and they said that startup energy, that startup mojo, that kind of nimble thinking that you brought to them, we need that in our companies because startups are eating our lunch and they're threatening, you know, our business. Um, at, you know, as an incumbent, they're coming in uh, as these these kind of new leaders within their own their own space. And so now we work with global brands, publicly traded companies. Um, you know, companies that have been around for many, many, many decades and sometimes centuries. Uh, and we're also still working, of course, with many startup companies. So venture-backed, private equity-backed uh, companies looking to make a name, um, become profitable, scale, grow, maybe sell, maybe IPO. And so we uh, we work with a lot of those teams. And, and actually, in that case, we take equity at times. So we're both partnering with them. Um, helping them to build their brand or reposition their brand or elevate their brand. But then we're also, uh, as an organization, investing behind it, kind of putting our money where our mouth is to say, we believe in the value. As you said, the ROI of brand. We're huge believers in that. Um, it oftentimes is underinvested until it's threatened and then it's catching up the brand to the product. So that's uh, that's what we say. We can, we can actually really help these teams. And uh, so we invest behind them. As a result. So basically what Scott just said is this time is worth $10,000 a minute and he's spending it with us. So make sure y'all got out y'all's pen and paper. Uh, Scott, I want to say this though, you know, you fly under the radar and you do it strategically. Right. And like I said, I've been following y'all since the very beginning. Um, what is your philosophy behind that and why? Yeah. So we're believers in let the work do the talking. And that even goes back to, you know, growing up as an athlete, uh, you know, one of four boys in my family, uh, three brothers, you know, let the, let your work, let your results speak for you, um, kind of walk the walk. And so we would rather come across clients who see our work and appreciate that. We want people to find us through referral, find us through um, just the good work that, that I believe we do and that we really kind of hold as, as most critical. Um, that that's what matters, right? And so uh, we're not too promotional. You know, we don't really kind of put a name out there too much. We don't spend on that. Um, we're just saying, let's just do great work. Let's do high quality work. Let's stand behind it. Um, let's be great leaders to our teams that we work with. Um, so oftentimes we'll challenge them. We'll provoke them. Um, you know, from a place of of experience. Uh, and a place of empathy. So having been on that client side, it's not easy building a brand. It's not easy going through transformation, but um, helping to, you know, to hold hands with those client partners, navigate those, those seas uh, and doing it in a very humble way. Um, like we said, from day one, we're not a shop with a whole lot of ego whatsoever. We don't think it has a place, um, you know, in, in our line of business because there's just no need for it. You know, you can just be good people doing good work and work that really matters uh, and makes an impact. And, and and honestly, seeing our partners, our client partners uh, succeed in the work that we do with them and go on to shine. And we're close friends with many of the teams that we have worked with over the years um, because we feel like that's the right way to, to run a business and the right way to operate. I say that to say because you've built a badass brand on reputation alone. Right. No flan, no, no fancy anything. Right. I mean, your website early on was just like, we are built. 
And that's what it is. Right. But I say that because so many people that are listening to this podcast, I'm telling you, Scott, they think they need to be on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, in-person pop-ups, yada, yada, yada. And you're a testament to like, you don't necessarily have to do that. Now, what I am curious to know is on the other side, as you're advising these large scale brands, right? You know, how do you teach this to them, right? How do you teach them to prioritize what's important and understand the ROI that comes with building a brand? Mm -hmm. So it's not easy. Um, it's not easy in some scenarios, um, but there's certain steps that we've taken over the years that allow us to walk that journey with a client team. So maybe first starting with, it's a big question. There's a few pieces to that. Before we begin our work with a client, there's potentially a brief that they say, here's what we feel we need. Here's what we're looking for. But they might be talking to multiple agencies, consultancies, you know, to identify the right team for them. Some of them are very clear on what they need, why they need it, what the output's going to be, you know, what what led to it. But you know, beginning with a, a briefing form, beginning with an upfront conversation, um, and ultimately, it's not about a, putting a proposal in front of them. Like it's not saying, "Here's what we've done. Here's what we always do. Take it or leave it." Um, we're huge believers in a process we call listen translate and create. And so before we get to creative work, which is ultimately the output, before we get to translating strategy to creative development is first listening. So putting them as the client at the center. Uh, every client is unique. Every industry is unique. Every audience that those clients and companies resonate with are unique. Even the moment in time and culture is unique. And so being very genuine to the challenge and listening before we do absolutely anything. Um, what that does, first, it educates us. We're lifelong learners, right? Like going to school, valuing education, but also being out in the business world, we're, we're not experts. We don't use that word. Uh, we might have experience, but that doesn't mean that we're an expert because we're constantly willing to change, learn, adapt, evolve. And so our clients see that we are willing to listen to them, understand them, walk in their shoes, get to know them as people, get to know them as leaders within their organization. But you say, what's a win for you? We ask that of our clients. We say, how can you look like a rock star through partnering with us? And so as soon as you do that, you're now standing shoulder to shoulder with them, not across the table. From them. And you're willing to say, let's do this together. Let's find the right process for this project together. That's before we even start the work, right? Once we start the work, there's a process that we call going from the inside out. So um, before we begin, again, creative development, strategic development, uh, is we do interviews. So we talk to leadership team members. Uh, we don't sit them all around a table. Um, when we talk to consumers, we don't do focus groups oftentimes. Uh, we talk to each person one-on-one -on -one in a Zoom kind of interview, in a, in a video, virtual interview, or in person, just like this, to get to know them their vision, opportunity areas, this project is serving for them, pain points, how they talk about. It. We'll say like in a sentence, if you were talking to a sixth grader, who is your company? What do you do? And it completely allows them to step out of their day-to-day -day jargon and actually talk like a person and really kind of communicate what their, they feel their company does or what their brand stands for. So again, listening from the inside, talking to leadership, and then going outside. So we Put consumers, as I said, consumer-centric, audience-centric, 
explorations. And there's ways to do that and there's ways not to do that. One way is 100 person, 1,000 person survey. Get 500 people and gather data, you know, data, information. That's very different from insight. Insight is the said, the unsaid, it's behaviors, attitudes, preferences, uh, things that are difficult for consumers to say, but when you spend an hour with them, talking to them for over a series of days, getting to know them, shop alongs, ride alongs, home, you know, home, uh, you know, in-home meetings, um, looking at their closet, all of those kind of immersive activities to get into the hearts, minds, what makes people tick as consumers. Before that, they're humans. They're just people before they're quote unquote consumers. So by being consumer centric, we can build strategies for a brand that's not just built in, in a vacuum and it's not just built in the walls of the company or a silo way of thinking. Uh, you really put the consumer at the center and you build for them. If they're not buying, if they're not interested, if they're not engaging, we can talk as loud as we want, but they're not hearing it. So um, it also, you know, to, to kind of close the question is, once we present work, it can, especially with design, it can be very, very subjective. I prefer this color. I prefer that color. I prefer this style of icon, that style of icon, this font, that font. But when you put the consumer at the center of your insights and then your strategy and then your identity development, you're actually fully grounding it in what you've learned and what you've immersed into, not just your own personal bias perspective or what you think is right for that company. So it gives them a deep sense of confidence, clarity, consistency, like peace of mind, truly to say, we know that you've gone out and done the hard work. You've done the rigorous process. You can now bring those insights back to us. And then we can walk together on this journey to realize that vision, to reach that audience. Do you feel like, this is what I'm saying, a lot of performance marketing? Right. You know, we want to manage clicks, impressions, everything, data, data, data. But you and I both know brand is so much more, you know, like a guy. What is it? I'm, I'm rocking a flannel right now, y'all. Y'all can't see it. But what does a flannel say about someone? Right. Tends to be pretty. It can go to the far left, you know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn hipster or it can be the flapjack guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm a boxing guy. You ever seen those old boxing hats that they wear in the corner? Like when you show up to a boxing match and you're wearing that, like you're saying something about yourself, right? And it's hard to kind of measure that data. But now with a lot of companies, right, what do they need, Scott? We need digital marketing. We need da-da-da. But yet you're saying like, listen, man, we need to dial it in on branding. How are you helping them connect that dot from an a investment perspective? Right. Performance marketing, there is a place for it, but the amount of funding going into performance marketing versus into brand marketing. And there's actually companies that have made shifts recently um, to focus on, on their brand, focus on marketing from a brand-led perspective rather than just performance marketing, uh, which is coming, you know, becoming more difficult. So if you don't have a strong brand, if you don't have something to say, where that branding shows up, you know, it doesn't really matter because it's not going to land for that, that audience anyways. So yeah, in, investing into what's the thing that you want to say and what's the way you want to show up saying it um, that then helps to inform and make that digital marketing that you need to do just far more effective. So I'm a leader of a startup, right? Not me personally, but let's say I'm one of our listeners, leader of a startup. And he's like, Scott, I hear you, right? We need to invest in brand. Okay. But I've got my investors bringing down my back. You know what I mean? I got, I'm barely paying myself a salary. If anything, pennies on the dollar. 
And now you're telling me I need to start investing in branding, right? Because we're doing pretty good right now with Canva. At least we tell ourselves we are. But like we're trying to get to that next level. We're trying to punch above our weight. How should I, as a startup founder, think about uh, measuring branding? Yeah, so brand building is business building. There's oftentimes a misnomer that you invest in other elements of the business. It's hard to quantify at times. Everyone wants to know, like, how do I put data points? How do I put numbers in front of my board to justify the spend? Um, and so we, to the extent that we can, we, we actually track performance of our companies before and after working with us. Um, we ask for conversion. We ask for, you know, overall, uh, you know, sales growth, revenue growth. Um, but some of it also comes down to the confidence of the team. Do they feel like they're true to a vision? Do they feel like they're making micro decisions here and there to say, are we this or are we that as we show up with branding, uh, you know, and creative development beyond working with us? So, um, yeah, it's, you know, ROI of a brand. There are studies that have been done, you know, by the biggest you know, kind of companies out there, the McKinsey's of the world and others who say, if you invest into brand, here's the performance of those companies over the years, um, even for publicly traded companies. I know that's not startups, but you can really quantify performance uh, of, of you know, market cap, company valuation, stock performance um, with those that invest into their brand and, and those that do not. And it truly does make a difference. Um, Particularly in the startup landscape, you know, if you're new to the world, someone hasn't used you or tried you or warned you, uh, you know, consumed you before, then it comes down to trust, credibility, legitimacy. And that's not always tangible. That's not always people can't always taste before they buy. So how are you earning their trust, building that confidence for that consumer? And that's that's the intangible of brand development, you know, not just product development. Um, but but actually having a story to tell and a confidence and a trust to build with that audience. Now you've built some pretty badass brands. Before we went live, you and I were talking about is it Hella Cocktail? Yep, that's right. Bring us up to speed on Hella Cocktail, and you use this word reimagine, which I think is dope. I like that reimagine because that doesn't mean we have to settle for the way things are. We can create a new future for ourselves. Yep. So uh, Hella Cocktail was founded by uh, three guys, Jamari Pinkard, Tobin Ludwig, Eddie Simeon, um, buddies who had an idea years and years ago to um, create bitters. So, you know, actually on their own kind of manufacture bitters that go into old fashions and cocktails like that. Um, over the years, they evolved from just a bitters company. It was called Hella Bitters to Hella Cocktail. They created mixers, syrups, tonics. Um, even a bitters and soda. And the idea for it was you walk into a speakeasy, which, you know, for wine back eight years ago, 10 years ago, um, there was some fancy guy with suspenders on, a fancy hand, you know, mustache, twisted up, right? And like that was how you got really amazing cocktails made. But in this world of DTC, they say, well, why can't you do that at home? Why can't you actually make your own cocktails? You have the liquor, you know, but what are the other ingredients that go with that? And what's the recipe and what's the process to make it? So for them, it was very much about kind of bringing this otherwise exclusive kind of speakeasy culture to the masses and allowing people to enjoy this. When we, when we drink, uh, whether it's alcohol, non-alcoholic, when we come together with other people, you know, your community, like that is celebration. 
And so they wanted to give the world an opportunity to celebrate, kind of elevate their taste buds um, through through Hella. And so fast forward to today, um, you know, company is doing outstandingly well. They just partnered with Pronghorn. Um, they brought on capital by Uncle Nearest, um, which is an incredible business, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, I believe out of the South um, in the spirit space. And so the work that we did with them, this goes back now a few years, but they needed help identifying their audience, identifying their positioning, elevating their packaging um, to really communicate the story and the promise that the liquor, that the, the liquid itself within the bottle is communicating. So they brought us in to help. Yeah, hella is a term you said it was in the South. It's like people say it in the South, right? I mean, on the West Coast, right? Hella this, Bay, hella right. that, right? Yep. But yet their branding externally was like very New York based. Right. So when we came into, into conversation with them, they had packaging that said the word hella on it. Um, the, the font style was a little bit, you know, kind of, uh, Texas in its feel, um, you know, sort of like blocky, you know, letters, you know, almost like country Western ish style. The name itself, Hella, yeah, it's from the Bay area. Um, it, it's kind of like very specific to that, almost like wicked is in, in the Boston area, Hella is to the Bay. Um, and yet the team was, you know, based in, in Brooklyn and they had icon, you know, an image on the packaging of the Brooklyn bridge. So. Um, that, that among many factors, you know, as you look at trust, it's like you want people when they pick up a product on the shelf to just intuitively get it and actually make you feel something. And if it feels like this is from here and this is from there and that's from there, then you might feel confused and you might feel like this is, you know, you just don't get it. And no one likes to feel that way. They kind of feel like they're, they went over their head and they're out, they're on to the next thing. They're going to try something else. And so the opportunity, oftentimes we talk about excavation. It's not to say that they should do something completely different. That's going to blow down the doors. They're going to be shocked. Kind of say like, that's, that feels very, very different. It's actually saying, here's who you've been. Here's who you are. But how do we sacrifice? So don't look like all those different pieces. Like codify it, kind of, you know, pull it together, tighten it up, and elevate it through that, that clarity. And so in this case, it was a new identity new logo uh, for them that was using a printmaker style, kind of like a line engraving style to it. Um, some classic hues, but felt quite modern and quite contemporary for them. Like a little nod that the A, if you see the logo, the A has like a little droplet of liquid in, in it. Um, and then the packaging itself, we really wanted to communicate how premium, sophisticated, thoughtful their ingredient sourcing was. And so putting that at the center, so you can see on every different package, all the ingredients that are within that, that, that uh, liquid itself, um, you can see all the different actual products that went into it. So for your margarita mix, you see the jalapenos and the jalapeno peppers and the, the limes and the lemons you know, you know, portrayed there on the graphics. So really leveled them up, kind of made it real consistent and built it across all their SKUs, plus helping them to launch a ready-to-drink. Uh, bitters and soda as well. You use the word premium. And I try to tell people when you show up on the market and you declare, you know, everybody's like, oh, I'm this, I'm a premium CPG brand or I'm a premium, you know, this, I'm a premium that. You're making an announcement to people, right? Like they have a certain expectation with premium. And I know our listeners, they suck at branding, right? Like vets suck at branding, right? If you've seen any of veteran brands, it all looks very much the same. But you have so many of them saying that they're premium, but you're looking at their stuff and you're like, 
nah, man, you're not really coming across premium. And so mm-hmm. that's one easy way where I think of like pulling that investment across the line. It's like, look, if you want to play with the big boys and say you're comparable to the Lexuses of the world and the Teslas of the world, then you can't do that in Canva, right? Just not happening. You got to hire, you know, we are Bill um, to come in and help elevate that. Yeah, even looking at the pricing. So, you know, having a business background, branding is, you know, is creative work, but if it's not grounded in business success and you know, business impact, then it's not worth the ROI. So we looked at where they were selling from a price point standpoint relative to their peers. Um, you talk about Angostura bitters, legendary, very classic, very old. Uh, a lot of respect for that, that brand, but their product was so premium. Their ingredients itself were so premium that they needed to sell at a higher price point. So yeah, you need the brand to communicate that story. That It's a promise. It's saying, here's, a, it's a statement. It's a promise to the world saying, yes, we're premium. This is this is worthy of that price. And so when you had people saying, tasting hella in their old packaging, saying, this tastes better than I thought it would, that's saying that the packaging is letting them down. So how do you say that the packaging is conveying as premium a story as that product? Itself. So that's that's that power of perception. That's that power of brand, um, independent of being able to trial a product. You said the word story, right? And I had April Dunford on this podcast, and she wrote the book, obviously awesome, uh, how to position your product so customers love it, etc. And in a podcast she did, she says customers want perspective, right? And that's where the story comes in. It's like how you see the market, and they want to navigate like their competition. The complex, they don't know a market. They don't know the other options that are out there. So when I tell people, hey, you need to craft a story, right? We need to give them perspective, which is our point of view. And we need to help them understand how we're differentiated from the other players out there. Now, I know Simon Sinek wrote Start With The Why. And everyone's like, start with the why, start with the why. Um, But in your experience, what does it take to craft a really compelling story that connects your brand with its consumers, with this perfect customer? Yeah, so we oftentimes talk about storytelling. It's visual and it's verbal. We taste first with our eyes, taking in subconscious stimulus at all times as human beings, making judgment based on what we see before even reading a single single word of copy. Um, so storytelling definitely has you know is very important. That's what your consumer is taking in. But we're big believers that before you get to storytelling, picture a home. Before you're looking at what's the landscaping, what's the color of the front door, what's the style of the shingling on it, what are the drapes, what's the carpet, you've got to build that thing. You've got to build the foundations that go below the home, that make it structurally sound, durable, weathering storms, going to last over the years. So very much the same thing with a brand. Before we get to storytelling, which is that design and it is that communication of a home, there's pillars, there's foundations that live below it. So for us, those are you know, archetypal consumer mindset, audience mindset. Who is your audience? What makes them tick? What makes them go? Not just demographics, but psychographical, attitudinal, behavioral. What are these people all about? Um, next is positioning. So positioning is the perception you want to have in the world. If you don't shape it, someone will shape it for you. It might not be what you want them to say. So a singular statement, literally a sentence, say, this is who we are. This is who we're for. This is why they should care. And that sets you unique, uniquely apart from the pack, resonate with the audience, fit into this moment and culture and the undercurrents that are happening around us uh, and that are true and authentic to your DNA. So we talk about being like ownable, 
compelling and authentic, right? Like, can you be actionable as a, as a brand based on this thing that's deeply ingrained and rooted and grounded in, in who you are as a company and as a group of people? Next, you get to functional and emotional benefits. So that's, you know, what you provide functionally, tangibly, but also we're emotional beings. We just frankly are. So how does a brand make you feel? That actually moves you beyond being a product to standing for something more. So emotional benefits uh, are, are really critical. They marry up to functional, but they take it that one step further. Um, and then you get into vision, mission, purpose. If you're a purpose-driven brand, how do you stand for something that goes well beyond what you might sell, but, but actually how you change the world and how you leave a positive impact? Um, and then guardrails. So every one of the... the cool surprises that we found in working with startups is they love guardrails. They get to that slide and they're like, Ooh, that's magic because you got to know who your enemy is almost even more than you got to know who you are in order to say, here's where we've gone out of balance. Here's what's on brand. And then mm, we went a little bit too far this way. We went a little bit too far that way. Now we're, we're feeling off. There's something that's just not feeling right. And so once you craft those fundamental pillars and foundations, it's not to say that creative development, storytelling, visual or verbal become easy, but they become aligned with those truths and those commitments that you make and, and you put into the ground. In addition to the brands you've helped develop at We Are Bill, are there any brands that stand out in your mind that like, man, these guys and gals are doing it right? Yeah. So um, in every moment in time, I think there's different companies that feel like they're just resonating for different reasons. Um, but none, none that really come to mind. I mean, it now feels like we're in a moment in time where many brands have a point of view. Some have gone astray. Some have, you know, kind of stepped here or there. Um, but you know, I, none that, that truly come to mind. I've always been a huge fan of Nike, um, as an athlete myself, uh, you know, wrote my business school essay about going to work at Nike or have Nike as a client. Um, unfortunately, the firm that I joined right out of B school um, did have Nike as a client, and uh, worked on a lot of their you know sports brands, Nike and Gatorade and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I think Nike continues to to this day um, do an incredible job with their their culture, their people. Um, they're a very strong brand and they're very resilient. But what I love in particular is they've been super willing to evolve and update, and frankly, take a stand when many others you know would not. So. Um, that is, uh, you know, that that's one, not to say that you always agree with them, um, but you know where they stand. And, and honestly, that's what brand is, 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 you know, where, what you're committed to, what a point of view is, um, and allow the world to then, you know, kind of see you in that way. So that's, that's, you know, brand strength. I thought you were going to say ironbound boxing, but now you let me know how you feel. I see how it is. <laughs> yeah. I teased Scott before we went live. I said, Scott. If you want to charge premium for branding, just throw Brooklyn on your name. You know, Brooklyn-based, whatever. People eat it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had an office in Brooklyn prior to the pandemic. It's uh, it's an incredible place. That's right. Um, And you know what I realized while you were talking, right? We are Ironbound. That was you. mm, You you don't remember that, do you? I do. I do. You had a whole list of names. And you were like, I think We Are Ironbound is the way to go. And so my forest for profit right, was uh, I registered as uh, Ironbound Unlimited, LLC, but I do business as, I think it was We Are Ironbound, so I still had that same email, all because of Scott. See, that's how much we're, 
we're connected. We're always, you know, Ironbound is always going to be part of your legacy. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. It's an honor. It's an honor. Yeah, there's something about the, the statement that you make as the leader of that group um, in the organization that, that you were building at that time. It, it was like, this is, there's a lot of integrity to to how you approach the work and um, and the community that you build and, and what you give to those young athletes. So, yeah, it's like, take it or leave it. Here's who we are. An introduction. When we met, I was still figuring out what Ironbound was, right? You know, like, oh, yeah, we're a boxing gym. But, like, yo, I found out during the pandemic. Let me tell you that. When the gym was closed down and we were training at the park, you know, it let me know who we really are. And so part of it sometimes, too, is, like, you know, we had these ideas of a brand and where we want to go and who we want it to be. But also, we got to go on that journey, too, and let that journey mold us and not get in its way. Because we are resilient as hell. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you can survive for a year and a half with no gym and come out better than when you went in, that showed me something. And it's almost like a verb. Like, you are ironbound. Like, and what does that mm-hmm. mean? So now I'm finally to that point to where I can craft that messaging and say, this is who we are. This is what we believe. And not only is it going to come from me, it's going to come from the kids we serve. Because mm-hmm. it's a difference with the ironbound kid. And they know it and they feel it and the parents see it. Guy told me yesterday, he's like, man, all your kids come up and greet you when you come in the gym. They say, what's up? Like, that's not normal. You know, people walk in the gym and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. But all our kids walk in and they greet everyone in there. And that's part of the culture that we're building. And I'm excited now, you know, especially leveraging you know, some of the stuff we talked about from this interview about refining that and going deeper. And we do have a lot of that foundation, those core purposes, those bold beliefs, all that stuff. But now it's time to kind of reimagine it, as you would say. Uh, post-pandemic, which you're doing with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and to me, it comes down to respect. There's such a healthy amount of respect that you've built because of who you are, because of how you how you operate, um, but also how much you deeply care for those people that, that you meet, that you're training, coaching, teaching, uh, leading, is is they pay that back, you know, and, and building a sense of camaraderie through a shared respect. There's a great phrase, which is, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. Two people who come together, not willing to just be nice and let somebody you know be unaccountable um, and go on their way, but but rather, you know, how do two people come together and say, how do we make each other better? How do we challenge one another? How do we hold each other accountable to a higher standard um, to to become excellent, to become you know, truly something great, something that matters? So. I appreciate the work you're doing. Man, we appreciate you for making time with us. We got veteran entrepreneurs tuning in from all over the country, all over the world. You've given us so much value. How can we as a community help elevate the work you're doing at We Are Bill? I appreciate that. Yeah, I would say if, if this is interested, you know, anyone out there, um, you know, come on to our site, check us out. Don't hesitate to connect, uh, you know, through social, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, anywhere. And, and uh you know, if you have a question, we love conversations like this and you know, down to uh, to chat and um, learn a little bit more about any of you that are tuning in and, and your business and uh, and what you're building. Um, but, Michael, thank you for, for having us on and having me on. This has been, has been a lot of fun. We need you in our ecosystem, man. I just got back from the Milvet Startup Conference um, in San Francisco, Context Venture. Shout out to Tim. But listen, 
dog, we don't just need a bunch of veterans in a room talking about ourselves. You know, we need civilians. We need other people because, like you said, like we can only do so much ourselves. Right. We need civilian venture capitalists to see the capability of veteran startups. Uh, we need brand strategists as well that have operated at that high level to be able to come in and say, like, look, man, you're trying to be premium. This ain't it. And we need trusted referral sources such as yourself where I can be like, yo, man, you need to talk to Scott, man. They're going to take care of you. So you doing this is um, is real uh, big for me and I appreciate it. And hopefully we can show some love your way as well. Awesome. Looking forward to that. And for all our listeners, go ahead and subscribe to the Dog Whistle Branding newsletter at the link in the show notes. There's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter. Shoot me an email at mikewearironbound.com or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. I'll also be sure to include a link to We Are Bill in the show notes as well. Until next time, peace, love. Have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy for veteran owned businesses. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders. We serve mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com. Thank you.